Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Why Not Our podcast. I am your host, Linda Coogan-Byrne, and today's episode, we delve into the dark world of sex, sexuality and pornography. So... If there's any kids within earshot, you might want to switch this down low <laughs> or wait until a little bit later in the evening or when they're in school to give it an L listen. We have Cindy Gallup, who is a juggernaut in the advertising world. Working as an advertisement executive, she started out with Bartle Bogle Hegarty on campaigns such as the Coca-Cola campaign, Ray-Ban, Polaroid, to name but a few. She is the Michael Bay of the advertising world because she blows shit up. And we also have Goddess Nicole, who is a psychologist life coach, a dark tantric masseuse, a BDSM kink coach, black female empowerer, sexual healer, a hypnodom and an activist. Welcome to my two guests, Cindy and Nicole. How are you both doing? I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Really happy to be here too. Thank you so much. Cindy, you are a woman who is not afraid to ask very, very valid questions. One being, what happens when the total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets the reluctance of a society in speaking openly and honestly about sex? And when asking that question, where did the answer take you? What did you discover? Uh, well, um, I guess, you know, I should explain to your listeners, Linda, who will have no idea um, of what I'm doing, that um, you're talking about my startup, Make Love Not Porn. Yeah. Um, and Make Love Not Porn is an accident. I did not consciously set out to, to do what I'm doing now. It came out of my personal experience dating younger men. The men I date tend to be in their 20s. And about 12 or 13 years ago, I began realizing that, you know, um, as you've referenced, when total freedom of access to porn online meets equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex in the real world, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. So 11 years ago, I became the very first person ever to stand up and publicly identify this issue on the stage at the TED conference in 2009, when I launched Make Love Not Porn in its original iteration, which was a clunky little no-money website at makelovenotporn.com that um, was only words. The construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. Um, my TED talk is um, mildly notorious because I became the only TED speaker to say the words come on my face on the TED stage <laughs> six times in succession. The talk went viral as a result, and it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Um, and I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so that was what led me to turn Make Love Not Porn into a business. And so today, um, we are the world's first and only user-generated, human-curated social sex video sharing platform. We are 
pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. If porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, we are the real world documentary. Make Love Not Porn.tv is what Facebook would be if Facebook allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it sadly doesn't. We are socializing sex, making it easier for everybody to talk about in order to promote consent, communication, good sexual values, and good sexual behavior. We call ourselves the social sex revolution. The revolution part is not the sex, it's the social uh, what's extraordinary listening to you there is that it's the only one. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's it's just baffling as to how people still uh, like, and we have an entire generation or probably multiple generations at this stage of people who believe that the way you're supposed to have sex is the way that it's portrayed on porn sites. And the fact that there's no other sites and, and means for people to be re-educated because I think re-education is something that really needs to happen in the porn industry, in the sex industry, in how we look at consent. And that is just shocking to me to discover that there's only one. And thank you so much for having that platform there as a, that type of an outreach and educational platform. How can um, listeners uh, find out more about it? How can they, can they join I mean, if, if, is it just for voyeurs? Is it no, like- um, no, 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 absolutely not. Um, so, so, um, so, so just, um, just to clarify a couple of things, Linda, the mm. first is that um, I think it's very important that um, our audience understands what I've been saying for 11 years, which is that the issue isn't porn. The mm. issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. Many things are laid at porn store that should be laid at societies. And so, um, you know, I, I really urge everybody to focus on the need to educate and be open about sex in the real world. And secondly, the reason there's only one of us um, is not only my uniqueness of vision, but because I and my tiny team fight an enormous battle every single day to build Make Love Not Porn, because every piece of business infrastructure other tech startups get to take for granted. We can't. The small print always says no adult content. Yeah. And that's all pervasive across every aspect of the business. So we need um, our audience's support. And, and by the way, um, you know, I'm very gratified that I've had many opportunities to speak in Ireland. I've, I've been interviewed on Irish media. Um, there's always been a phenomenal response whenever I've done that because Ireland knows how much you need to make love, not porn. And so um, I would love um, everybody listening to go to makelovenotporn.tv, sign up. And um, I I want to just, if you don't mind, take a bit of time to explain why what we're doing in pioneering this category, social sex, is so important because um, we have many social benefits. And I'll give you a couple of examples. One is that, you know, um, social sex at Make Love Not Porn is very reassuring because we celebrate real world everything, real world bodies, real world hair, real world penis size, real world breast size. And the reason that's crucial, Linda, is because you can talk body positivity all you like. You can preach self-love. Nothing makes you feel great about your own body, like watching people who are nobody's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other, desiring each other, having an amazing time in bed. Our mantra is everybody is beautiful when they're having real world sex. 
and they really are. Then, um, you know, the, um, the overarching goal of everything we're doing is, um, you know, when I say that we exist for this one very simple reason, to make it easier to talk about sex, because we don't do that currently, people don't get how massively, profoundly transformative that would be. And, and this is what I mean. I designed Make Love Not Porn around my own beliefs and philosophies, one of which is that everything in life starts with you and your values. Mm. So I regularly ask people this question, what are your sexual values? And nobody can ever answer me because we're not taught to think like that. Mm. Our parents bring us up to have good manners, work ethic, sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed, but they should. Because in bed, values like empathy, sensitivity, generosity, kindness, honesty, respect are as important as those values are in every other area of our lives where we're actively taught to exercise them. And so what we're doing in Make Love Not Porn could not be more relevant in the era of Me Too. Because right now, quite rightly, everybody is talking about consent. Everybody is writing about consent. Here's the problem. Nobody knows what consent actually looks like in bed. The only way you educate people as to what is great consensual communicative sex, good sexual values and behavior, is by watching people actually having that kind of sex. And Make Love Not Porn is the only place on the internet where you can do that. We are literally education through demonstration. That's really interesting, Cindy. Um, I feel like the kink world and um, what have you created kind of overlaps a little bit. Mm. Because mm. when I'm like, when I'm in the BDS world and then when I'm like in a relationship or I'm dating someone and I'll go into all the communication and the consent, like, as if it's normal and they're like whoa what do you mean why are you asking me if I like this why if I like that what are my erogenous zones like <laughs> do you know what I mean and they're just yeah. looking at me like, sometimes in shock like oh my gosh I can't yeah. believe this person's openly talking to me about what I like what I don't like but um Nicole you are so right because you know um BDSM is all about consent and, and, and instantly um one of our agendas of Make Love Not Porn is that we would love to de-kinkify the kind of sex many more people would be thoroughly enjoying if society hadn't said, oh, it's kinky. And so, you know, we, we are all inclusive at um, Make Love Not Porn, LGBTQ. We have many, you know, BDSM kink videos. Yeah. And, you know, and therefore, what you get to see on Make Love Not Porn is you get to see exactly what you're talking about. You know, you get to see the boundary negotiation, you know, the, the, the conversations about consent um, beforehand. And then you get to see the aftercare. You get to see, yeah. you know, the aftermath, you know, the, the, the conversations. And, you know, it, it's, it's so important that people see exactly how all this plays out in the real world. Because to your point, it completely changes their perspective. And it also makes them go, bloody hell, we're having a conversation about <laughs> what we enjoy what we want to do, what we don't want to do. And as you say, very depressingly, all too often that's a revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it will also like add value to like dominatrix in like in the bedroom and also like in the pool world because you have people that are like, 
oh, just do anything you want to me. No safe words. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, and I'm like, um, sorry, but you're going to have to communicate with me and tell me, you know, walk me through this fantasy that you have. And yes, I will be using safe words. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes they come watching porn with these crazy, well, not crazy, but like a very high expectations of what they think is going to happen. And I'm like, okay, we need to step back a bit. You've never done this before. We don't know what you can take. Exactly. And actually, Nicole, you know, you're talking about um, um, something that that actually I find very depressing in in a holistic context, which is um, I am my own research lab, um, by which I mean, I'm very open about the fact that I date younger men casually, recreationally, and I love them. Mm-hmm. I see for myself exactly how what Make Love Not Porn's addressing plays out in the real world. Mm-hmm. And I am regularly astonished by the fact that, you know, I date, I'm very selective about whom I date. Um, no matter how casual the relationship, they have to be a very nice person. Yeah. I have fantastic made up of very nice people. I only date utterly lovely younger men in an atmosphere of mutual trust, respect, affection, liking. And what I realize in bed is that, you know, and these are, you know, a lot of them very attractive young men. They've had sex with a lot of women and they have literally never uttered a word in bed before. You know, I, I will I will communicate about what I like, what I want them to do. And, yeah. you know, and they will, I mean, it, it's very obvious, but they will also testify to this. They have literally never had a conversation in bed before because, you know, porn and, and actually, unfortunately, um, Overly romanticized and sanitized depictions of sex and popular culture generally, you know, Hollywood movies, um, TV teach people that great sex is and should be wordless. You come <laughs> together in the bedroom wordlessly. Yeah, white curtains splutter in the breeze somewhere. You fall gently back onto the bed in slow motion wordlessly. You come together simultaneously wordlessly. Ripple yeah. dissolved to the morning after you beam each other. Work, nobody's said a god, <laughs> and that is not how it happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> oh my god! I tell you what, I think that's what leaves a lot of teen, late teenagers, whatever age you are, when you lose your virginity, did you be absolutely this almost disorientated on what was that? I mean, did that just happen? That's not what I thought it would be. And it's not what they thought it would be because what they thought it would be is what the movies depict sex to be. And it's complete and utter shite, you know, and and I think it's about like I was always very lucky. Like my my mom was so open, so, so open. I mean, she was sent to a, a mother and baby home when she got pregnant when she was 18 and her child was taken off her. And post coming out of the mother and baby home and the trauma that, that inflicted, she just became the most open book. Good for her. Good right? for her. That's Seriously. fantastic. She's a wonderful person. And she made it so safe to talk about sex all the time. Like, I mean, I, I remember walking to, um, we used to go up to this fairy ring. Uh, my mum is really, she's into Celtic mythology mm. and, and spirituality, which I am as well, but used to go up to this lovely place where there was an old fairy ring and a castle. And I remember her taking my hand and I was about 12 or 13 and she looked at me and she said, Lynn, and she says, yeah, she says, you're gay, aren't you? And I just, just like that, I said, I am, yeah, I am, I'm, I'm gay, I'm a lesbian. And she said, well, that's okay. She said, who, no, who cares? She says, I don't care whether you fucking go off with the fairy up the road, there she goes, or whether you're an actual fairy yourself, you know? Fantastic, fantastic. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And, and 
like throughout that period, like, you know, I, I didn't sleep with someone until I was about 17. And she asked me about like I, I was able to talk mm. to her about it. I was able to say, oh, God, you know, things have happened. And mm. there wasn't any type of awkwardness. But when I told my friends, like my close friends that mm. like that I had this relationship with my mom, they were like, that's weird. Like, that's really weird. And I just always was perplexed as to. I said, why did you not talk to your mom and dad like this? I'm like, no. And my dad is the same. No problem. He'd, he'll be like, all right, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who are you uh, screwing around now? And he'll, he'll say it in a jest, but you'll, you can speak to him about anything. Like, you know. That's and brilliant. That's brilliant. I was a diamond dozen growing up because I still to this day don't know any friends that I grew up with that had that relationship or, that's, or that have that relationship now with their parents. And, mm. you know. I, this is exactly what needs to change. You know, I said to you earlier that Make Love Not Porn was an accident. Yeah. But what is no accident is that my background is 35 years working in advertising. Mm. I've spent 35 years working in the business of communication. Yeah. I know, therefore, that everything great in life and business is born out of great communication. Sex is no different. Great sex is born out of great communication. And the enormous irony about what you're saying, Linda, is, you know, the one thing parents want above everything else is for their child to be happy. And this area will impact your children's happiness more than any other. And so it's crucial you talk to them about it. And what is wonderful about Make Love Not Porn is that, you know, um, you know, we are absolutely, as I said, socializing sex. Parents write to us and tell us, A, that being members of Make Love Not Porn made them feel more able to be open with their children about sex. And B, they write to us and tell us a number of parents have said that they have bought subscriptions to Make Love Not Porn for their teenage children, their 20-something children, because they want them to see what happy, healthy, loving sex in the real world actually looks mm-hmm. like. That's amazing. Right. It's, it's, so, it's so fundamentally important as to the construct that you have and that, that the foundation of that construct that you bring into later in life. I mean, I was always someone that kind of, very open and open-minded and like communication was very important but again like like what you were saying with dating younger men I mean I I dated older women at the start like a lot older women and there was not really much communication and I was kind of thinking Jesus why aren't they and then some and and this is this totally goes over to the LGBT world as well you know they behave like they're in a porn you know you're kind of yeah um, yeah no it it impacts everybody (laughs) they're going what are you doing like (laughs) and 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 here's the irony um Linda so so, you know again this is why Make Love Not Porn's entire mission is this very simple thing to make it easier for everyone to talk about sex Mm. especially in your relationships um Mm. because we don't talk about sex it is an area of rampant insecurity for every one of us Mm. we all get vulnerable when we get naked sexual ego is very fragile people therefore find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it Mm. because in that situation you are terrified that if you say anything at all about what is happening, if you comment on the action anyway at all, you will potentially hurt the other person's feelings. You'll put them off you. You will derail the encounter. You'll potentially derail the entire relationship. But at the same time, you want to please your partner. You want to make them happy. Everybody wants to be good in bed. Nobody knows exactly what that means. And so you will seize your cues on how to do that from any way you can. And if the only cues you've ever seen are in porn, because your parents never taught you about sex, because your school didn't teach you, because your friends aren't honest, 
those are the cues you're going to take to not very good effect. And that is happening everywhere. Yeah, definitely. I've um, worked with women and men where they like said, oh, how can I explore this? Or, you know, they're not getting the pleasure from their partners and things. I'm like, so have you had the conversation with them? (laughs) And they just look at me blank, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay. Do they know what you like, what you don't like? And they're just, you know, another blank face. Oh, well, maybe we can start with that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Basic steps. And is it the case that they want to compartmentalize different facets of their sexuality? Like, um, Nicole, like, is it the case where they want to explore the elements of themselves outside of the unit of their relationship in order to bring it in? Or is it just um, they want to keep that uh, fetish or that kink or that part of themselves separate and compartmentalized? Like, what, how do you feel that that works in your world? I think it can be a mix of both. So I've had where people... They've had partners, they've told their partner, but their partner is totally not interested at all. And they're like, you can just go off and like to fill that fantasy or, you know, that need with me. And then other times they've, they have this fear that their partner is going to like, just like stop dating them or, you know, end the marriage. If they find out that, you know, they like to lick feet and I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe it's not as bad as you think. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, Exactly. Or, you know, you can really explain that, you know, um, you know, maybe they like spanking, but like their partner, you know, maybe watch these palm videos and seen these extreme hardcore things. Like it might not actually be, you know, that imposing on the partner, like how much they like to do. But yeah, definitely people do come to me for different reasons and to explore different things, what they feel they can't do with their partner. Um, but sometimes I've had couples come as well and, you know, they explore their kink together. Like I can guide one of the partners how to be a dominant and then, you know, explain about the communication, negotiation and, you know, how to use the tools as well. So, yeah, it varies really. But a lot of the time I'm just like, oh, so you've not actually spoken to your partner about this, you know, you know, maybe start off, you know, start off small, hint about it, see how they react. If they like run away in fear, then fair enough. <laughs> yeah. but like if they seem intrigued you know they didn't have that fear they had isn't as big as their thing you know yeah. and also um, th- th- this is this is what make love not Paul can help with as well because you know we're social sex couples watch our videos together and you know we get feedback all the time that that um, you know a that prompts communication with each other and so one couple said to us you know again because we are normalizing all of this they said you know, watching Make Love Not Porn videos made it so much easier to talk about this because it becomes like you're talking about something you watched on Netflix, you know, or the BBC, you know, yeah. um, it, it just eases the conversation. And then, you know, we, we, we exist to celebrate the full glorious spectrum of human sexuality. And yeah. so, you know, people get the chance to see people in the real world experimenting with all of this and also in a very low stakes manner. Because the nature of what we show, real world sex, is that, you know, we'll have a video on Make Love Not Born of a couple who've decided to role play. And Mm. so, you know, they're doing this role play. And then halfway through, one of them will go to the other, you know what, not really doing it for me. And the other one goes, yeah, you know, and and they'll go, you know, tell you what, let's just have sex. (laughs) And and, and so it becomes very low stakes about it's fine to try this, fine you Mm. don't like it and go and try something else. 
that actually we'll that happens in my easy. sessions as well really like if I notice in like the submissive is not reacting to it or like they're just not in the mood that day mm. I'm like mm, should we try something else <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean yeah. like you know so that's great that you can see that you know you can experiment and there's not this oh my gosh it's not worked so yeah yeah no exactly, exactly. Forever. let's not try yeah. again you know like yeah. you just, you know, it's fine to switch it up and change or uh, just ask like mm. what to do next you know mm. and, and and that is also why you know our videos are enormously reassuring in this sense too because you know if you only learn about sex from porn porn teaches you that sex is a performance Nothing must go wrong. Oh my God, it did. How excruciating, embarrassing. I can speak at this. Whereas we go, if you can't laugh at yourselves in bed, when can you? You know, and mm. in our videos, ridiculous things happen because this is the real world and ridiculous things happen around sex all the time. And you can laugh and be relaxed about it. And, you know, again, it's all very low stakes. Yeah, definitely. I remember one of my partners saying that I'm always laughing. Which is <laughs> <laughs> as it should. Yeah, be. I'm always messing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, and yeah. <laughs> like I like to play, you know. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's really about like communication is the vital key component here. Uh, Cindy, I was watching your because Aoife Ahern, one of our good mutual friends, uh, was on the podcast there last week, and she had she was just speaking your praise. And I remember her sending me a, a link to your TED talk, and she said, "Watch this fucking Michael Bay of the industry." She says <laughs> she likes to blow shit up, but listen how she blew this chat up. And I pressed play on the TED talk, and I just was listening, and then I heard. You know, when you were, you like to date younger men and then you were in the middle of having sex with a man and you turned around and said, do you know what? I prefer if you didn't come on my face. And the whole, the whole audience, and Eva didn't tell me what was to come. So I texted her down and I said, Jesus Christ. And she said, I told you. She goes, she doesn't give a shy. She said, and she's so right. You know, she's wonderful. And um, and it's so true. It's just a simple mode of communication like do you know what i prefer if you didn't do that and that's yeah, all no, no, and, and also um so i think you know um it's really important too to say that you know I, i've spent 11 years trying to get people to see the nuance and everything that we're discussing yeah. so because of my ted talk people say to me all the time so cindy you don't like men coming on your face and my yeah. response is it all depends who's doing the coming yeah. Something you don't want to do with one person, you can't get enough of with somebody else. Yeah. This is absolutely not about the nature of the acts. It's about consent and communication. It's about the chemistry between you as lovers. And, you know, honestly, um, I, I mean, I mean, this is, um, uh, so, so this is another piece of advice that, um, I, um, I give to men because, you know, uh, um, what you will see, um, in, in popular culture is this perception that, you know, um, women don't like anal and have been tricked and deceived into having anal sex. Oh, my gosh. So we violently object to, uh, to, to, to this. Um, but, but equally, obviously, what doesn't help is that when you only learn about anal sex from porn, you think you're just sitting up there. Okay? And obviously, that could not be further from the truth. Okay. And, so, um, and so, you know, what I say to, to men is, you know, if you want to try anal sex with your girlfriend, this is how you go about it. You focus entirely on her pleasure. In bed, you communicate with her. You find out what she loves doing. You make it all about her. You give her orgasm after orgasm after orgasm until 
she is having such an amazing time that she just wants to experiment with you in any way possible because you are making it all about her. You are focused on her pleasure. You are demonstrating good sexual values and good sexual behavior. That's how you get to have anal sex. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to start loads of arguments tonight now. I just know you are to anyone listening in. Do not blame me. <laughs> Cindy, I mean, um, like Nicole, you you're immersed, like your life is immersed in this, uh, in the in this industry and and in the kink world and in, you know, is is fetish involved in that? I mean, is there a, a is there a thing where because I, I read on your um on your Instagram uh, that you would want to one day start a, a a modern cult? You call yourself Goddess Nicole, so that is a huge part of what you are about. What can you explain a little bit more? How does one join and, and what is involved in that? In my cult. Yeah. Um I think it's more for like it's more my fetish than anything really. Like I just love the idea of like just endless submissive, mainly men yeah. bowing down to me, taking my orders, you know. Mm. And who wouldn't <laughs> Just do what I say. Like you know, it's, it's my fantasy to just break the patriarchal system by making men realize that women are supreme. You know, we are the world leaders, and we will make a better place. And in that world and in that element, there's no. I can. If someone wants to back chat, if someone wants to troll me, I just put a gag on them. I can keep them quiet. <laughs> like, and you know, I can be an angry feminist without someone like complaining about it. So, you know, I'm building that world for me mainly. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the cult that I want to create is um, female supremacy. And actually, um, here's the great thing about what, what Nicole is saying and, and why it's so important um, for your listeners to hear this, Linda, because um, currently when the media shrieks and squawks about porn, as it does all the time, it only ever shrieks and squawks about one type of porn, which which is the type you, you, you are most likely to encounter on the tube sites, which is straight porn, where the man is dominating the woman and making her submit. Funnily enough, we never ever see the media squawking about the vast genre of porn that is for men who adore being dominated by and submitting to women. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and the reason we don't see that is because that does not accord with our societal construct of masculinity. And the huge shame about that is that out there in the world are millions of men who would absolutely adore to be dominated by and submit to a woman in bed. There are millions of women who would adore to dominate men in bed and have them submit to them. And most of those people will never, ever experience that because society has told them that you know, um, gender norms mean that cannot possibly be the case. Yeah. yeah. You know what's funny to me, because we mentioned Hollywood so much, that in the old school Hollywood movies, because a lot of women go, oh, whack when men were men. Most of the leading male characters in these movies were gay. <laughs> you know, they were actually playing part. You know, they were, you know, the, the in the time of Marilyn Monroe and, and their male counterparts on screen turned out that, you know, the biggest of the bit of the actors we're gay in real life. So they were, were putting this out. And I think that a lot of people act a role when it comes to sex because they think, oh, I need to I need to behave in a certain way and I need to 
look a certain way and act a certain way. And like, if I'm on top, I have to like look insultory into their eyes and I have to have my hair. And, you know, to, to, I mean, I remember growing up and like listening to women, even in my young like twenties and they talking about like, and how do you like kind of, you know, maintain your hair? Like what, what do you like your hair and, and what do you wear if you're on top and what, you know, type of underwear can conceal certain roles and stuff. And I think so many women have these conversations, whereas men don't give damn. Men are just like, yeah, did you get the ride? You know, and that, that was it, you know, but women wanted to go into that, my new details. And, and in my views, though, I, I was never, ever in the heterosexual world, but I heard so many really terrible experiences that my friends had. And a lot of it was vastly based on the disillusionment when it came to the reality of what their experiences were versus what they thought they would be because they put so much effort into it. But the guys were just, ah, oh, yeah, sure, it's grand because men will just by default know what to do. And a lot of the time men don't because what happened was uh, because I was gay and, and everyone was, I was openly gay since I was about, geez, about 14, the guys always came to me in school and went, you know, like, what do we do? What? Like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. Really? <laughs> What you're but, I mean, um, <laughs> but, but, but that's that's adorable yeah. you know I, I often say i wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true yeah women enjoy sex just as much as men Absolutely. and men are just as romantic as women yeah and yet neither gender is allowed to openly celebrate that fact and would all be a lot better off if they were and I felt I had an in to the, the world of men especially young teenage boys like and, and young men that was so sweet. And so they, I mean, a lot of them wanted to please their girlfriends, especially those that were virgins and they knew the big day was coming and it was like, what do we do here? What do we do? And I was like, I don't, I, like, what are you asking me? I'm not a dude. Like, you know, but I, then I would turn around and I'd chat because a lot of the time I didn't know their girlfriends because it was a, a small school, like a small network of people in a small Irish town. And it was just, and everyone knew when someone uh, lost their virginity, like everybody. And it was just almost, you know, I was looking at it from a distance because there wasn't any gay people. So I was always just looking from a distance and I was just kind of going, Jesus, if they actually just spoke to each other, like they wouldn't have to come to me. And for me, via them, talk to the girlfriend and for the girlfriend, via me, talk to him. And it was just this rigmarole of going around and around. And she said this, he said that. And it was just my head used to be spinning. And it's, it's so strange that that really hasn't changed much since yeah, I was a teenager. It seems sad that like we've got all this social media, like Instagram, Twitter, I don't know all of them, you know, and it's constantly talking to each other, like all over the world, but still we can't have like these conversations about, you know, I like this, you like that, you know. And, like, and, and, and that, that is exactly why Make Love Not Porn is the yeah. only social sex platform. Yeah. And, this, and, and this is exactly what we exist to help with. Mm. You know, we, we had a wonderful comment left in one of our videos, um, one of our lesbian videos um, the other day. Um, a woman commented, she said, I've been in the closet for 25 years. I've only just come out and this video showed me how to make love to a woman. Thank you so much. Um, this this is exactly why Make Love Not Porn exists. And for anybody over 18, you know, we are, as I said, education through demonstration. This is absolutely where you can see the wonderfulness of how you go down on a woman effectively in the real world, how you go down on a man, how you try all sorts of things. Um, one of our most popular um, categories of video is pegging. And for listeners who may not know what that is, um, Pegging is when uh, in a straight couple, um, the woman penetrates the man with a strap on 
that is way more popular with many more straight men than you would ever have thought, um, as it should be, because, um, you know, anal pleasure is a wonderful source of pleasure that nobody um, should feel at all conflicted about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, you know, we are absolutely aware, you know, you get to see how the rest of the world really has sex in the real world. And, and that is why I always say real world sex is more creative, more surprising, more innovative, more entertaining, more wonderful, more hot, more arousing than porn will ever be. Mm. Mm, definitely. It, did, it just made me think about how I like to do my um, sessions in like a lot of domestics places or like places that are not dungeons. So, mm, yeah. you know, like it, it normalizes the play a lot more for people mm. when they come. So like they then have the confidence like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll try this with my partner, you know, like they don't need to have the dungeon on the castle and the chains all over. <laughs> you know, they're going to get dominated tonight, you know, like you just need a few little things like some rope or some handcuffs and a little paddle. And, you know, you're wearing to go like there's so exactly. much to do. It's just like. A couple in a bedroom, you know. Yeah. So I'm sure your own video show that on your site oh, as well. Um, oh no, we do indeed. And in fact, very early on, soon after we launched, a woman wrote to us and she said, "You know, I love your videos, love your platform." Then she said, "This is probably going to sound really weird, but one of the things I love with your videos is seeing the insides of other people's houses." Mm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I said to her, "That's not weird at all because I love it too." Because have real world sex everywhere, you know, on the kitchen floor, in the bathtub, you know, you get these fascinating glimpses. One couple, um, the husband built a new garden shed. And when he completed it to celebrate, they had sex on the top of the shed. <laughs> um, obviously, without any neighbors to see, fortunately, and that they filmed it and, and shared it on Make Love Not Porn. And so these are privileged glimpses into people's everyday lives that just show you, to Nicole's point, that you can have the most wonderful sex kinky sex, self-love, you know, we have lots of solo masturbation videos, anywhere and everywhere, and that's part of the fun. I think what's great as well, sorry, go on, Nicole. I'm just saying you don't need a dramatic, you know, to have a good time, like, there's many ways to do it. Exactly. uh, Another thing that I noticed, um, Cindy, is just the diversity as well, because when you go on to um you know porn sites it's it's categorized obviously the normal porn is white um homogenized and then you have the ebony and you have the you know black men that always have big huge black penises and it's just this fetishized overly completely incorrect view um and impression of people anyone that isn't um white you know and, and it's it's just absolutely crazy i mean nicole you are um blazing you're black and you're asian do you find mm-hmm. that your work in terms of people want to experience because in the sex industry it's looked upon as oh this is unusual like this is like oh black and asian oh my god because they're usually in different categories and when it's rolled into one and i just noticed on your feed that you talk a lot about kind of political stuff and black lives matter and then there's other mistresses and uh dominatrix that just will not go near it because they're like oh no 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 we don't want to upset our our white patrons you know these white men but in yours you're like you know, you publicly, and I love this, you know, you say, no, you know, if you're going to praise me and worship me, you educate uh, white, very wealthy white uh, businessmen to, uh, as to how detrimentally damaging their patriarchal system has been and how it's steeped in misogyny it is. So you twist it and you turn it around. I mean, have you encountered that type of fetishized kind of because of the color of your skin and where you're from? Or have you kind of, how have you navigated around that yourself? Um, yeah, I encounter, encounter it. Um, so 
if I, if when I feel like it's a fetish, a fetish for them, I'm like, okay, let's give them a chance, you know? So I'm like, okay, they'll message me and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I love black women. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like, let, let's see where he's going with this, you know? Um, so I'll go, that's great, you know? So did you see, and I'll normally reference like, um, a current post on politics. So like the Black Lives Matter movement or something like, oh, did you see the tweet on blah, blah? And if they have shown no interest whatsoever in what I've just asked them about, you know, Black Lives Matter, then I know it's definitely a fetish. And then at that point, you know, it's for me to decide whether I want to put my energy in educating them or Mm. to be like, you know what, you're not for me. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah are open to learning then that's when I will take them on as a submissive and then I'll actually tell them you know like there's more to a person than their skin Mm. color and you know if you you want to praise me make me happy you want to worship me then Mm. you also need to help that person because I'm a person not just a skin color you know to create a better world for myself and other women and other black people in the world as well so, I know you launched your Sunday Mass on your OnlyFans because I, I suppose throughout COVID, it's been very difficult for your line of work that, that deals with, you know, uh, BDSM. And you also, uh, you, you are a psychologist, you've worked in sexual trauma, you work in all elements of sex. I know that a lot of what you do has been shifted to online. How, how has that transition been? Because uh, like, it's such a, a, a physical in the moment person to person uh, vocation. And how has that uh, how has that changed? How has that crossover been for you over the last few months? And how have you worked around it? So if you ask my subs, I openly complain about having to do online sessions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's just not the same. Like yeah. I love connection. I love to connect with the submissives or, you know, just have one-to-one conversations with people. Mm. You know, to see in their eyes when I do something and they react to it. So it has been a big transition to, you know, do online sessions. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I'm open with my subs about it and say, you know, I am struggling, but there have been times when I've had longer conversations with them. We've discussed different role plays, you know, we've learned about different kinds of things we can do online as well. It's been a time for me to learn. I've also become like more vocal in my sessions because I cannot touch, you know, I can't grab them (laughs) myself. So, you know, I've been able to elaborate and I've gone, I've delved deeper into hypnosis as well because that's verbal. Mm. So I can play with their minds rather than their bodies a lot more from online sessions. Yeah. So. I've seen you work with Marissa Peer. I've, I've used Marissa Peer before and I just thought she was amazing. And I just, when I seen that you were doing that and, and have worked uh, with Marissa, I just thought it was brilliant because I just find hypnosis as just, uh, just a great way. I did a, a course on cheerleading because I just went through a stage where I was just, I just felt so exhausted in work and, I just needed a little pick me up and a friend of mine from New York, um, she just said, you know what, Linda, I, my husband was trying to quit smoking and he was just feeling crap. And he went and he did some, some work with Marissa Pierce. So she sent me a link and I was like, mm, really, do I want to? I just found it brilliant. And then I seen that you worked as well um, and with her. And it's, and it's fantastic. I mean, how has the hypnosis, how have your, your clients um, kind of found that? How have they benefited from it? Yeah, so I've been doing hypnosis with a lot of the women, so they want me like be, be in touch with their sexual energies, you know, to just be a bit more liberated with their orgasms. So mm. I've been talking to them about that, you know, how to just reconnect and like 
not to take away the barriers of their past experiences and you know mm. and just, you know see their future partners as an open book you know there's lots of possibilities and they don't have to repeat what's in the past they yeah. can definitely you know improve themselves and <laughs> have great orgasms you know yeah. um, and also like with my submissives I've been yeah I've been definitely teaching them you know to be feminist <laughs> and to be anti-racist I, I drop that in there and I openly tell them like if you do hypnosis with me I'm gonna tell you to you know fight the patriarchy <laughs> yeah. I think it's brilliant because so, I know yeah. um uh, Cindy you you put up uh, recently there on your um Twitter that, about radical simplicity you know it's so easy to end racism by just being more inclusive you know to you know hire and work with the black community and, and it really is as simple as that uh, like you know and, and again that's just to get back to the diversity that's what I just loved as to how um your your site how it just blended that so well and it's not just this homogenized landscape you know and I just I just felt I just needed to mention that because it's just I just think no, 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 that's a very important part of what we're doing Linda yeah. um, um, Nicole um just so you know I'm half Chinese so oh, I, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted we have Asianness in common <laughs> And and um, and absolutely, as I said earlier, make love not porn exists to reflect the full glorious spectrum of human sexuality across every dimension. You know, race, ethnicity, disability. Um, we are, you know, working on building up our make disabled love not porn category. Um, you know, age. Um, our older members love the fact that we celebrate make older love not porn. Our, our make love not porn stars, our contributors range in age from you know eighteen to eighty, literally, and um, and and also just picking up on something um, you, you mentioned, Nicole. You know, we um, as as an utterly unique um, venture, we have an utterly unique capability, which is the power to change people's sexual attitudes and behavior for the better. Mm. And we hear from our members every day how we do that. I mean, not just all the people who write in and say, you saved our marriage, you saved our relationship, which is great. But also we hear from survivors of rape, sexual abuse, sexual assault. Um, We hear from female and male survivors who tell us that Make Love Not Porn has helped them reclaim their bodies. Um, we've enabled them to own their sexuality again. You know, we, we hear from people who are, you know, cancer survivors, um, you know, people who, um, um, you know, um, have in various ways, you know, felt sexually dysfunctional, who are able to, you know, be sexual beings again because of our celebration of real world sex. And so, um, you know, we, um, we are actively um, working to change the world through sex in all sorts of ways. And, you know, full representation versus the fetishization. Finally, it's being talked about, you know, you can see it a lot on the social media these days. But, you know, the pressure from white guys and black guys from that whole genre of, you know, you know, having this guy stereotypes as having a big black cock. And they're also, they're just seen as the cock. There's no personality above there, you know what I mean? So, you know, you're humanising people, you're breaking down those barriers. And, you know, it's really good to see. Mm. No, no, absolutely. And actually, I would also, um, you know, just say to our listeners, I mean, porn is very, very racist uh, as an industry in the same way that Hollywood is racist. Television is racist. Every industry is racist. Um, and in that context, I just want to highlight the work of some fantastic adult performers who are combating this. Um, the black porn stars, uh, my friend Cinnamon Love, um, 
who's a retired porn star now, but, but her work is out there. Um, the active black porn stars, King Noir and Jet Setting Jasmine, they're a couple. They make amazing work. And um, um, at the queer um, end of the spectrum, do check out the work of Shine Louise Houston and Gisley at Pink Label TV. Um, they're making amazingly innovative, fully diverse and inclusive porn. You know, um, th- th- there are there are some very um, creative and ethical porn producers out there um, yeah. who struggle to have their work highlighted because the landscape is dominated by a company called MindGeek that owns everything, you porn, Pornhub, wow. et cetera. And so I, 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 really, I really encourage listeners to, you know, seek out the work of the pornographers I've mentioned because they are fully inclusive, diverse, representational and working to combat racism. Yeah, it's great you give them the shout out because for them to keep doing the work, they need to be paid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So like exactly. people need to be yep. using their platforms for them to keep creating yep. it. You know, it's a, there's a supply and demand. If they if we don't support what we want to see, then they're gonna end up. They're gonna try for a bit, and then you know they they, they can't continue. You know, like it's not a volunteer project. They, I'm I'm assuming they do want to you know profit and make money out of it. So but, um, no, 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 they, they absolutely do, and you're quite right to highlight that, Nicole, because. Um, here's the enormously frustrating thing for you know the the ethical um, porn producers. Um, We all watch porn, we don't talk about it. Porn therefore exists in this parallel universe, this shadowy other world. And porn therefore lacks a number of the tools that we use in every other part of our lives to improve them. So porn lacks curation and navigation, or rather it lacks socially acceptable curation and navigation, because there are sites that curate porn, but they're porn sites. There is no Yelp of porn. Yeah, and there's yeah. no group of porn because right now it's really okay to come into the office on a Monday morning, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of the restaurant I'm eating at. Who knows a new restaurant? And it's not okay to come in, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of the porn I've been watching. Who knows some new porn? <laughs> and that's and that's a problem because the landscape porn needs navigation. Mm-hmm. And these brilliant pornographers I'm talking about do not get the numbers and traffic and revenue they deserve because nobody can find them. Yeah. And so I, I like to shout out you know, um, everybody doing great things in porn as much as I can um, so that, you know, our listeners, um, viewers and other programs can absolutely go and find them and give them your money. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you know if um, Google allows, um, like, porn sites to advertise? I'm just wondering. Um, um, so, um, so, um, t- uh, um um, porn sites um, are not um, allowed to advertise per se. Yeah, um, so, you know, you have to make sure people are talking about it and spreading yeah. the word actually, yeah. you know? Like, how else do people exactly. find out if it's not shared like that? Uh, and, and in fact, um, uh, Nicole, I, I did an interview for Glamour a few years back where, um, you know, the interviewer said to me, Cindy, you know, how could the porn industry become more feminist? And my responses were, as the interview admits in this piece, um, not what she was expected to hear, um, because there are four actions every woman out there can take to make the porn industry more feminist. Mm. And so what I recommend to women is, number one, women, talk publicly about the fact that you enjoy watching porn. Yeah. And the reason it's important to do that is because it's only when we talk publicly about enjoying watching porn that the porn industry sits up and takes notice and goes, wow, there's a huge market there. 
Because right now, the ridiculous received wisdom is that porn is for men. Absolutely not. Women enjoy porn too. So action number one, talk publicly about the fact you enjoy watching porn. Number two, recommend the porn you love to your girlfriends. Because... As I said, you know, th- there are no, you know, socially acceptable recommendation engines. Um, actually, women's media platforms like Cosmopolitan, Glamour, etc., they regularly post, you know, um, lists of top 10 porn sites women will love. And mm-hmm. we at Make Love Not Porn, even though we're not porn, we, we often end up in those sites. And those sites drive a ton of traffic because women are desperate for recommendations. You know, Glamour has a list. Top 15 porn sites women will love. Um, Make Love at Porn is number one, I'm happy to say. And right. women need um, guidance as to where to find the kind of porn they might enjoy. So action number two, mm. recommend the porn you love to your girlfriends. Mm. Action number three for straight women, um, share the porn you watch with your male partners. Because, you know, I'm not a fan of the terms feminist porn, porn for women. Um, n- not because there's anything wrong with that, but because when you label porn like that, men go, not for me. Mm. Men have no idea how hot and rising they would find porn made by women for women. So women, share the porn you love with your partner. You'll find a revelation. And then action number four is create the porn you want to see in the world. If you have a vision of the porn that you would love to be out there, you're not finding, I guarantee you there are millions of other women who would love it. Get out there and make it yourself. The fourth one might be, um, there's a big barrier, I think, to, you know, the whole sex industry and creating porn, you know, the stigma of being a sex worker, you know. Um, But definitely, have you found that there's a lot of demand? So here's the interesting thing, um, 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 Nicole. Um, Over the years, um, because unfortunately, I I fight a huge battle trying to find investors and funding to make love not porn. Mm -hmm. And so I have to support myself alongside it. I do that through paid speaking and consultancy. And, you know, the number of times when I've spoken at business conferences over the years where a man or woman has come up to me and gone, you know, um, do you know, Cindy, I always wanted to start a porn production company. Um, I always wanted to make porn. And, and by the way, um, people have said this to me at business conferences in Ireland. Um, and um, and um, first of all, um, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, this is a very challenging sector, but it's opening up all the time. Mm. And so anybody out there, who wants to um, make porn. Um, the wonderful um, porn producer, Erica Lust, has started a fund. Um, she is funding female filmmakers who want to make porn. You don't wow, have to have done it. Um, yeah, so, so totally, you know, if, if you Google Erica Lust, um, you will find details of her fund. Um, also, um, it, um, increasingly, there are more opportunities. You know, there are more porn film festivals that give you a chance to showcase your work. And, you know, I've spent the past 11 years doing two things, building my startup Make Love Not Porn and parallel pathing, changing the creative cultural context around it in order to make it thrive. Because I don't wait for things to change, I make them change. Yeah. And so I've been campaigning for more openness around all of this. And I can tell you, I'm very optimistic because I am seeing you know, barriers break down more and more openness to all of this in a very encouraging way. And and especially when you do it, um, the way we're doing it to make love, not porn, which is, as I said, we're socializing sex, we're bringing it out into the open, shining the sunlight on it. And I always remember, you know, many years ago, um, I was booked 
um, to interview Larry Flint, the founder of Hustler, at an entertainment conference in LA. We were the opening session. And so before the conference, I was in the green room with Larry Flint running through the list of questions I was going to ask him on stage. And one of my questions was, you know, I said, Larry, you pioneered in an industry where nobody is ever encouraged to pioneer. And I was going to go on and ask him, what would you say to entrepreneurs today to encourage them to do the same thing? But he interrupted me, he stopped me and he said, you know, I never thought of myself as a pioneer because I just didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I love that attitude and I love that. I never do though. And women do. Women always think. Exactly. And so, and so what I say to anybody out there who wants to start a sex tech venture like me, who wants to create their own porn, you're not doing anything wrong. Not least because, as I always say, makeup not porn operates in the single biggest market of them all. Not sex, not porn, the market of human happiness. What's your opinion of um, OnlyFans? For me, I'll give my opinion. <laughs> my experience of OnlyFans has been um, that the the people that subscribe seem to be trying to control the market. Like, um, you should like, yeah, sign up to my OnlyFans. And they're like, well, have you got 101 videos on do 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 do? You know what I mean? I'm like, excuse me, but you're paying 20 quid. You know what? I'm going to put up the content I want to put up, you know? Um, I, I feel like it's, I don't, I don't know. Like, um, so, yeah. um, so, 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 so here's my view on OnlyFans. And, and by the way, um, just again for your viewer, uh, our listeners' benefit, um, so OnlyFans um, is very focused, as Nicole says, on performance mm-hmm. and on catering to, to your fans. And mm-hmm. um, Make Love Not Porn is very much about, you know, just sharing the sex you have in the real world. There's no performing going on. And, and by the way, um, Nicole, our, our business model is revenue sharing. It's, it's 50-50 split wow. um, if, if you fancy sharing your real world sex and make love not we'd love to have it but um but but here um here's my perspective on only fans and i want to put this in the broader tech landscape um as a whole the young white male founders of the giant tech platforms that dominate our lives today including the founders of only fans are not the primary targets online and offline of harassment abuse racism sexual assault, rape, violence, revenge porn. Therefore, they did not, and they do not, proactively design for the prevention of any of those things on their platforms. Those of us who are most at risk every single day, women, black people, people of color, LGBTQ, the disabled, we design safe spaces and safe experiences. I and my team spent literally years concepting and designing Make Love Not Porn before we ever built it because we knew if we were going to invite people to do something they've never done before, socially share their real world sex, we had to think through every possible ramification of that to create a completely safe and trustworthy space. As a result, we operate at Make Love Not Porn not only unlike anybody else in the adult sphere, unlike anybody else on the internet, period. I designed Make Love Not Porn around human curation. Our curators watch every single video submitted from beginning to end before we approve it for publication. And we operate a rent and stream model, not a download and own, because our commitment to our Make Love Not Porn stars is the moment anything changes, relationship, life, circumstances, even just your mind, you tell us, we take your videos down, they're gone. We might publish your video one day, you change your mind overnight, we'll take it down the next. And so, Nicole, my issue with OnlyFans is that OnlyFans' explosive growth has been fueled by sex workers, 
And OnlyFans refuses to acknowledge that and welcome and protect sex workers and anybody else who's decided to take up sex work on their platform. They have not designed to prevent harassment. They have not designed to prevent trolling. They have not designed to prevent stalking, your details being leaked, the ability to track you down. Um, they are not keeping sex workers safe on their platform because they don't even want to acknowledge that their growth has been entirely fueled by sex work. Um, I, I read an interview with a founder um, just published last week on um, a big um, tech um, platform over here called The Information. And literally, he evades every question. One question is, so, you know, um, how has, you know, adult work fueled um, the growth of OnlyFans? And he goes, well, I think our biggest growing category is music. And then we also have this other, I mean, no, he literally doesn't even want to answer the question. Oh my gosh. And that's my issue with OnlyFans. <sighs> yeah. Uh, but their excuse is that it's because of the banking system. So I was like, oh, we've got a new um, provider for the finance. Do you know what I mean? And they, they won't let us do this, this, and this. Do you know what I mean? But obviously, it seems like you're being more inclusive and open about things. So why can they not, you know, work the same way that you were doing? Uh, I mean, no, no, exactly. In the same way that if Facebook really wanted to end the spread of misinformation on their platform, they could as well. Boy, oh boy, do they ever, ever have the money. Mm-hmm. At Make Love Paul, we're tiny and we're bootstrapping. And we designed everything around the safety and well-being of our Make Love Not Porn stars mm-hmm. and our members. And that is what happens when you have tech designed through a diverse female lens. Everything yeah. we're talking about would be completely different if these platforms were founded and designed and managed and run by the rest of us who are not white men. Yeah, definitely. Like I've heard people being harassed on the OnlyFans and they want to like block and like discontinue their subscription for being like awful, you know, and degrading. Mm. But if they do that, like they lose the money that that person sent or something. Yep. I'm like, what? <laughs> do you know what I mean? They should be fine for being oh, no. so no. awful to the person. Um, no, no, exactly. And do you know, Nicole, that that is also why um, at Make Love Not Porn, not only do, do our curators review every video submitted, we review every post on, um, on what we call Make Love Not Porn social, which is the ability to post on your profile photos, text, illustration, can be as safe work or not safe work as you like, um, but we review every post before agreeing to publish it, and we review every single comment on every yeah. single video before publishing it. And by the way, again, because our design was very intentional, we've never had to censor a single comment, but what we do do is we look at the kind of comments that might make our Make Love Not Porn stars uncomfortable. Mm. Um, they're, they're often very well-meaning, but because we are something unique, people think that they can ask our Make Love Not Porn to do stuff. That's not the point of Make Love Not Porn. We're not only yeah. fans. Yeah. And so we operate extreme sensitivity in just not publishing those comments that would in any way discomfort our Make Love Not Porn stars and not make them feel safe in any way at all. That's the thought and intention that goes into our platform that I don't see operating anywhere else in this context. That's wonderful. If those type, those workers can sense about my calls and um, text messages <laughs> when people are booking for my sessions, that'd be great. <laughs> I'll be, you know, I'll be happy with that. Um, so. but, 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 you know, this is also why um, I'm encouraging everybody to, to, to build sex tech platforms, to pioneer and be an entrepreneur in this world, because we are talking about the single biggest universal human experience that we are all the most fucked up about, that at the same time, when you open up to all of this, has the potential to be the next trillion dollar category in tech. And mm-hmm. so 
um, you know, the wonderful thing, Nicole, is that I know sex workers who are now designing their own platforms. Uh, by yeah. the way, again, it's not easy. You know, I freely admit that. We fight this battle every day at Make Love Not Porn. But the more of us who are doing this and the more of us who are open about this, the more we break down the barriers for all of us. I think safety is the is the kind of repetitive thing that I'm hearing just between the dialogue that's going on in this kind of session. It's all about having a safe network and having a communicative um, world and you know community of people that respect one another and respect boundaries and respect you know where each other is at and and when they're at that place. I think that's across the field. Am I correct in kind of saying that that is the kind of you know the general consensus here? Yeah, definitely. We need to support each other. Like, if we'll, if we, if the women are gonna come on top, you know, we need to support each other and pull each other up. You know, so just keep supporting and sharing and respecting each other. Definitely. Yeah, but, and, and I would urge everybody listening. I mean, as well as obviously, please go to makelovenotporn.tv, sign up, join us, subscribe, and consider becoming a Make Love Not Porn star. But also, the way that we can help all of this is. You know, but, uh, because I get people um, regularly saying to me, Cindy, I love what you're doing in Make Love Not Porn. You know, I've, I've subscribed. If I were an investor, I'd give you a ton of money. I'm not, so I can't. How else can I help? Yeah. And what I explain is that everybody can help what we're doing by doing one thing every day, which is talk about sex. Yeah. Uh, when I say that, I, I don't mean literally, no, I don't talk about sex. What I mean is <laughs> when you are having a conversation in the course of your day-to-day life where if we were not so fucked up about it, it would be perfectly natural to talk about sex, do that. And, and my example of what I do deliberately is, you know how on Facebook, we all have friends who are always celebrating birthdays, going on vacations, posting photos. And so, you know, um, on the photo of the birthday celebration, where everyone's going, happy birthday, I will post, happy birthday, hope you had great birthday sex. Yeah. And on the photo of the gorgeous tropical resort, I'll go, Beautiful beach. Hope you had great sex on it. Because Not you know they are. Auto cues. <laughs> and, 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 and when I do that, you know, my friends will go, oh, ha, ha, send me. Yes, we did. It was wonderful. Thank you. Uh, that We're socializing sex. Make, yeah. It, yeah. So, make it natural to yeah. talk about sex because that helps all of us. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, we, we, we have to wind down. Do you know what? I'd listen to both of you talk forever. Um, but unfortunately, we have to wind down. And one thing that we ask all of our guests is, being em- empowering women, what women empowered you uh, in terms of what book would you recommend or what mantra do you live by that has been written, curated, authored by a woman that our listeners can check out? So mine is Audrey Lord. So mm, she had yeah. a great essay, a book of essays, The Master's Tools. The Master's Tools will never dismantle the master's house. It means, you know, people are not just going to give you the tools to smash down a system that you don't like you're going to have to create your own tools your own methods and your own community and people so you know to create the world you want so that's my one i would suggest people to check out definitely um so so ironically linda i'm going to recommend a book written by a man um because um um and when I send your viewers, uh, our listeners to this book, um, they will see that I have blurbed this book and I've called it the single most important business leadership book of our times, which it is. Yeah. So it's a book written by my friend Thomas Hamoro Premusik, and it's called Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? Mm-hmm. And the premise of Thomas's book is that we 
constantly focus quite rightly on the many obstacles that are placed in the way of women. But a far bigger problem is the lack of obstacles for incompetent men. Yeah. And the reason I'm recommending this book to all of our listeners is because this is a must read for every woman. And by the way, it's a must read for every man as well. But for every woman who's ever suffered from imposter syndrome, who has ever battled all of the barriers of sexism and bias and sexual harassment and racism that we all, all battle, I want you to reorientate your view of the system and see how many men occupy positions within it they should never have deserved because there were no obstacles for them in the way that there are obstacles for us. Because mm. I want that to fuel you to get very, very angry. Mm. I'm constantly urging women to do something we're not supposed to do, get very angry, because when we get angry, we make shit happen. And the way we all change the world for all of us is when we get angry enough to go out there and make shit happen in our yeah, own particular it. ways to change the things that we want to see change. Yeah, I love that. I love it. And I think it's it's such an empowering thing as well to just, you know, because people say, oh, don't let rage cloud, your, cloud anything you're doing. But rage can actually be an amazing fuel to get shit done. You know, it Absolutely. really and, yeah. and And boy, oh boy, do we ever have a shit ton of stuff to get angry <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well look i'm going to have to end this now it's been such a wonderful educational experience for me to listen to what you both have had to offer and bring to the table today and i'm so thankful um, for you for joining the podcast and um for giving us your time thank you and the two and thank you cindy as well thanks a million absolute pleasure